10 seconds till this show. We're going to get this thing kicked <laughs> off right. I need energy and positivity because the season's over. Yes. We'll talk about this game, but then we're also talking off season 2020, right. and there are great days ahead. I like the plan. Great days ahead. We will so not lose our this? last show. We're going to ready? ours. I'm ready. I'm ready. It. Let's go. Kelly, you ready? I'm ready. Al, you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. This is the Carolina line. The Panthers season is finally in the books. Mm. Uh, some people would say thank goodness to that because it was very tough to watch. Um, I'm one of those people, but I am going to miss football. And now I'm rambling. I'm here with Kevin Donnelly, <laughs> 13 years in the NFL on the offensive line. Al Wallace, 10 years on the D line. Both guys played for the Panthers. Um, yeah, it, it ended in a poor way, but as we expected. And now the question is, where do we go from here? It was tough. It was tough. It was a tough year. And mm -hmm. nothing came about that we thought in our minds would transpire. When we're talking Panthers football early in the season we on the Roaring Ride podcast, it was a healthier Cam Newton. This line is thick. We got Paradis. We got some draft picks. Yeah. We got these D linemen, the young cats that can go after the quarterback with yeah. the speed. Gerald McCoy, Kwan Short right next to him. All these things you just think is young weapons and Christian McCaffrey, and it just went downhill fast. Mm. Um, and we got a reprieve, right? Little the middle of the season there, where Kyle Allen's balling and everything was. We're finding ways to win, right? But in some ways, I think some of our better players, like Christian McCaffrey, masking a few things of how really depleted of of talent we were, especially on the O line and D line with some injuries coming in that it left us wondering as the season went on out, we're like, is this ever going to end? And that, that losing streak continued into this last game. We expected it. The Saints are a dominant team this year. They've got all the pieces to go all the way to the Super Bowl, and um, it just was ugly from the start. Yeah, it was, it was bad. I mean, we talk about the division. You go – you start the year. You said it, Kevin. So many pieces on paper. I mean, it looks amazing. I'm excited. I'm excited about Brian Burns and, and Christian Miller and the additions, uh, Bruce Irvin on that defensive side of the ball. Obviously, Gerald McCoy mm -hmm. pairing up with K.K. Short. And you're like, hey, this transition, this 3-4, we might have something. 27th in the league in sacks in, in 2018. We're going to improve on that. And we did in a big way. And that kind of masked the deficiencies we saw in the running game. Too many of the same type of body styles uh, in the interior part of the defense. Luke Kuechly really struggled. Now, he had a, a, a grown man's game, you know, this, this Sunday. We saw him rack up a lot of tackles, be physical, get guys on the ground. But it just did not – this season didn't materialize into what we thought it was going to be, uh, at least on paper with all the personnel changes. We were excited about what Marty Herney and that staff had done uh, in the offseason. But the injury to Cam Newton late <laughs> in the preseason yeah. changed everything. We didn't know how much it changed. We should have looked back to 2018 and said, mm -hmm. hey, without Cam, this team is completely different. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kyle Allen, for a minute, had us all riding high. Five and two. Uh, Lovey Dovey was, was lighting <laughs> up. And uh, we, we had fun. We had fun in here. We had fun in that stadium watching him uh, really outplay, you know, all expectations. Right. And then the bottom fell out. And this, mm -hmm. this thing went downhill fast. Yeah, and then next thing you know, Ron Rivera oh. um, is no longer the Panthers' head coach. Is this going to be a complete rebuild? What should fans expect now? Where do they go right now? Well, I think the big issue right now is Cam Newton. What's his health? Will he be back? That's going to linger this offseason, yeah. unfortunately, because we're going to want answers sooner rather than later. But it is not a rebuild if Cam is back. Okay. There's enough young pieces there um, with a high draft pick. Um, and it's not just the seventh pick in the draft, but that's the 37th pick, and you just go through the or 39th pick, or you mm -hmm. go through the rounds. I mean, it's picking high in every single round. Right. So those are some really good players. I mean, when you're picking the seventh pick in the seventh second round, I mean, there's guys that were probably first round talent yeah. that slipped to that space, mm -hmm. and you can go grab them. There. So there's that opportunity to get um, some really good players that are impact guys off the bat. So to me, that's the question. Now, if Cam's not part of the formula. This is a complete rebuild. Absolutely. And I, I you know, to me it's you're starting from scratch. You you keep a lot of these young guys, you find the older ones that are great in the locker room. Mm -hmm. Um I've heard, you know, from different sources that the the, the locker room wasn't great. There there was not a lot of cohesion. There was not a lot of um 
you know, everyone on the same page, battling and grinding every single day. I mean, all reports to me, it's the coaching staff worked above and beyond to try and set them up for success. And some of those guys failed. And you're going to have to find out those guys, and they're gone. When you're part of a rebuild, you have to reinstitute a culture that um, I especially think for young guys, and we can talk further on this, but to me it's got to be strict discipline. And at the same time, you've got to have a lot of affirming words and positivity and energy mm-hmm. because uh, the younger guys today um, – because of our culture and, uh, mm-hmm. and social media and all that, mm-hmm. they, they love themselves a lot. They love the Instagram. They love the attention. There's nothing we can do about they it. Love Call the me likes. an old geezer or whatever. It's just what it is. But that coach, he can be an older guy, but he's going to have to be plugged into. You know, in the past, when you could grind on a guy 10 times in a row and tell him he sucks, you got to do better, your technique's awful, you need to do this to improve. If you don't do that, you're out, you're not starting, you might not be on the team. Um, and then back it up with, one, hey, dude, you played a great game that game, keep doing that, and then you beat him down again. And now it's almost like if you criticize a guy three or four times, you know, if you don't back it up with something positive real quick after that, yeah, they can go in the tank. Yeah, They're going to go in the them. tank. And that's the difference in the generations. I mean – We'll sit here both and and be the old guys who are going to, you know, talk about the glory days and how it used to be. But I just remember looking at at Twitter, just social media, after that football game, after losing eight straight games last year, or this year, and what I saw was guys on social media being hype about their outfits in Mm -hmm. the cars. Yesterday, not today, some today, but yesterday, they were the pictures going into a game to get – bludgeoned to death, eight straight losses, and what you wanted to put out there to everybody, what you wanted to see was how proud you were uh, for your shoes and your outfit and your new car. Like, that's what matters. Mm-hmm. And to to me, that – I mean, that I'm furious by that because yeah. I was an undrafted guy. I fought and scrapped for 10 years for everything, every second of every snap that I played. And to have uh, the game, the way I feel, be disrespected by that type of attitude just burns me up. So it's going to be it's going to have to be a complete culture change. You have a foundation, but I think this this organization is not old enough to be established enough to hold that weight on its own. The guys that were a part of the foundation that were. The Carolina Panthers, when you think about this team, those guys, they're leaving. Thomas Davis left. He's gone. Uh, Ryan Khalil, gone. So, you know, some of those Greg Olson, we don't know. We'll talk. Yeah, all those guys are gone. That culture, that foundation that I feel like, you know, the guys before us and we were able to build with our Super Bowl run, they're out of that building. Who will the Carolina Panthers be? Because I think this year we saw it complete the history of what we established. I'm talking about defense got washed away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A soft, not very physical, uh, doesn't take pride in it uh, type of defense. That that hurt, that hurt every week sitting up there and watching that unit go out and um, giving up. 130 yards again. Well, and, that was and pitiful. You, in a lot of cases, this this is kind of league-wide. It's systemic because, Kelly, you you were talking about this before we got on here about Jameis Winston and yeah. just the lack of self-awareness. Check how, my sheet. Check my sheet. Because I didn't actually see it. You guys you know, yeah. talk about it a little bit because I, I was blown away that he just felt like he was this fantastic performer well, basically, after uh, throwing saw, 30 interceptions yeah, or something. 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. I think he's the first quarterback to ever, ever. do that in yeah. a single season. It was almost like he season. was proud of it or something. Well, it, I, I mean, know. he would be the best quarterback in the league if he, you know, just cleaned up his turnovers. Wow. So that's the comment he made. I'll, I'd be the best if I stopped turning it over. <laughs> and he, I mean, he throws for 5,100 yards, has fantastic receivers. They don't have a running game to speak of. He's going to throw it 40, yeah. 50 times a game. He did light it up. But what he did is not just turn it over. I mean, he probably had five pick sixes this year. So, you know, that type of uh, – I want to call it confidence, but really arrogance by a guy like Jameis Winston. I think his, it was his – uh, message to the league that says, hey, I'm a big-time quarterback. If I could get with somebody that can clean up the decision-making, mm-hmm. then it would be fine. It didn't just happen. He's been making poor decisions since Florida yeah. State. Yeah. We won't go into all those details. <laughs> but even on the field, he turned it over. Uh, so, you know, he has a long way to go. And, and Bruce Arians kind of countered that in his own message. <laughs> like, if we can win with him, we, I think we, we feel confident that we can we do that with, with anybody. So, it's the scheme. It's the offense. It's not – 
Jameis. So we'll, that's interesting. We'll see how that develops over the course of the offseason. It's season. funny because when good Jameis is around, he is good Jameis. He but is there's really good. that bad Jameis right there waiting to come out. You, you were talking about Instagram and social media. You, you said you didn't like what you saw. You would have been pissed at what you saw in the Panthers locker room yesterday after the game. I think there was music playing. It, it felt like a win. Maybe people were just happy and relieved that the season was over. But it kind of felt, I mean, the music was bumping. Guys were rapping, singing, you know, smiling. Yeah, that's not a good I look. I mean, it was like, go get paid. Like, I mean, it was, you know, more one side than the other. But and just people pay. It a did ton, not feel like a loss. A ton of money to be at these games. Yeah. And, and to have that not mean more that they just put in a, a piss poor performance against the Saints and then this whole season, it's, it, you know, I don't feel like there's a lot of accountability sometimes in that locker room. And I, I've worked in college football seven straight years now, and I see the youth, how they come out of high school, and then we've had guys drafted that, that go on to the NFL. It's tough. This new coach and, and how they're going to try and work to improve this, mm-hmm. it's going to be a tough process because it takes a special coach to be able to blend, like I said earlier, is that discipline, but also a guy that can put an arm around a guy when they mm-hmm. need to do it because these guys – need more of that now can evolve it's a different Mm -hmm. different generation and it doesn't have to be the head coach um i played for ray Rhodes 1997 coming off of the practice squad for jacksonville tom coughlin back then so (laughs) extreme ray Rhodes, uh you know wide open we can do a lot of things let's say (laughs) we had a lot of liberties uh tom coughlin military background we know the stories um, you know, he had a come to Jesus moment with uh, Michael Strahan and that team before they made their Super Bowl run. He wanted to retire. Strahan wanted to move on. That's how frustrated he was by the tight grip that Tom Coughlin had. So I go uh, midseason to Philadelphia and it's completely different. I mean, guys are late. Not No big deal. Um because Cop- Coughlin is that if you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. You're late, yeah. Okay. Everybody had to be clean shaven. I'd be in trouble. Uh, if one guy wanted to wear, you know, Kenny McCardell wanted to wear his socks up, Jimmy Smith, everybody had to do it. We all had to look the same. It was about being uniform. It was military style. I remember, like, I, I remember going out of Jacksonville for maybe a preseason game mm-hmm. or something, so it was a little bit looser. But seeing the tunnel going out of the Jaguar Stadium to where they, they practiced, we, it might have been preseason practices against them. Um, and Coughlin was there, and it was amazing to me. There was a line drawn 20, 30 yards before yep. you walked out of the facility into where the practice facility was, and this line, big, bright line, like something like practice starts now. So it meant nobody screwing around from this point on. Mm-hmm. I don't want dancing. I don't want singing. I don't want – helmets are on. They're ready. They're buckled to, to go. That's right. And, I mean, it was – No individuals once you cross that line was mm-hmm. his message. It's a team. As soon as you cross the line – it's the Jags. You can you can be out before the line and get it all out your system. But the warm-up, like the team stretch was – it was precision. It was quiet. I mean, you, you were there to work, and that's the way it was. And I just know with this new coach and the things that they need to be successful moving forward, it's going to take a lot of discipline. We saw a lot of breakdowns after Ron Rivera left. And, uh, you know, th- that coach is going to have to come in and be tough. I mean, mm-hmm. John Fox was tough, to, tough on us in 2002. He literally said, "I'm gonna, you, you, I'm gonna put you through hell, and we're gonna find out who belongs and who doesn't." Mm-hmm. I think you're in a better spot if you're one of the younger guys. They look at those guys as clean slates, guys we can raise up in our culture, in our system. If you're an old vet and you're used to doing it your way, you're gonna run up against a new coach who's gonna get you out because the last thing he wants you to do is influence the younger crowd yeah. because they look up to you. He wants to be the top dog. He wants to be, uh, you know, on the pedestal that everybody's looking to and hanging off of his words. So man, it, it's coming. It's gonna be a big change. Was it 14 unrestricted free agents and uh, three restricted? Like there's gonna be a lot of changes. And if you're not buying into the system, whoever this coach may be, and we'll we'll talk about some of the candidates uh, on the table here. Uh, but you gotta you gotta get on board, or else they're gonna move you. They're gonna move you on quickly. Well, looking at this, you know, I, I think we've all vented right now, mm-hmm. especially Al and I, not <laughs> Kelly so much. And um, well, I started with, I'm glad the season's over. <laughs> but where do we go from here? You yeah. know, where, how does this team improve? And I think we've hinted on it that, you know, Coach Rivera when he came in was was, was disciplinarian, and he even said it. And we mentioned on the show last week that with so many young young guys coming in or new players, he should have like almost reinstalled that culture again with these guys, the way he did training camp and some certain things to really 
put a basis and a starting point of what this culture needs to be instead of counting on some of the veterans because those had gotten further and fewer between with some of them leaving, as you mentioned, like right. Thomas Davis, Peppers, and guys like that. Um, so I think going forward, it's it really is the head coach. It, it That's the guy that the next five years is going to shape your program, maybe even longer, if he has a lot of success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's that guy look like? It's, the, the, that's the question, man. The, the yeah. leadership on this team – you, I hate to say it this way, but they're not Carolina Panthers. Bruce Irvin is a Seahawk. Oh, you're Jerry right. Jeremy McCoy right. is a Buccaneer. That's that's the culture they were raised they in. So you brought leadership blue. in here. Yeah. yeah, they they didn't grow up in this this team. They weren't drafted here. The fans didn't cheer for them once they were flown in right after the draft. That's not part of their uh, you know DNA. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're on the team through free agency, and we talked about it before. Like I'm not in love with a free agent coming in and being your star, being the centerpiece of your football team. It needs to be a Luke Kuechly. It needs to be a homegrown. Yeah, homegrown. Home you know, Trey Boston is a guy who left and came back, so I understand. You know, he he has you know some history with the team. But you just you you can't have those types of guys come in and be your captains and your leaders. It has to be Christian McCaffrey and the guys who've been here for maybe not leaders like as in the culture you want no. to install, but they can be leaders on the field. Like yeah, we've seen those guys do that, but just of how the culture is because they're learning the culture as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you you need guys and. Everyone wants to be liked and get likes and and retweets and repost on Instagram. And so it's, um, you know, sometimes, you know, it's almost like some guys are too nice to be able to call out a teammate and say, you're not doing this right right now. You're screwing up rookie. You're screwing up five-year vet. I know I'm only a four-year guy, but this is the way the system is. This is how it has to be done. If you're not in your gap, like, there's consequences, you, you know, you you're not one of us. You're not a guy that's been a team player when you're not carrying your end of the bargain. And frankly, I don't know who those guys really are right mm-hmm. now. You know, who's, who sets the tone uh, of some of those position groups? Uh, it feels you, a little lost right do now. Do you feel like it's your place? If I'm a first-year, 10-year vet like Gerald McCoy, yeah. do I feel like calling out K.K. Short or yeah, you know, Kyle Love? Like, right. do, do I – do I feel comfortable with doing that? Because he's a. This is another vet. You you'll say it to Brian Burns because he's a rookie, right? Mm-hmm. He still looks up to you. He still has those Google eyes for Gerald McCoy and everything that he's done in a ten year right. career. But you're not gonna call out Mario when he's not in his gap. We had guys. I had got look. Brinson Buckner's a coach right now. He had no problem calling yeah. out offensive guys. This was the mouth of the team. <laughs> you know, not always right, but he wasn't bashful about calling it out and we policed ourselves in a sense where you know if if you broke down and you didn't do the right thing it could be something simple like you run a gasser jumping off sides things like that it made it fun but you held each other accountable you let one another know that hey i'm watching you i have your back we're not going to allow the mistakes to happen we're going to try to curb that a little bit and get it right just didn't didn't see it and and that change is going to happen going to have to happen pretty quickly here well Let's talk about um, some of the names. I out think there. you have to, and it's 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 hard to say, right? Who do you do you have a favorite? Do you got one you like, a, Kelly? I don't have a favorite. I, mean, I don't either. I don't have a, I, a favorite, and I I'm glad I don't have to make this decision because yeah, as much as we're complaining decision. about this right now, I, I'm sure a lot of Panther fans are out there and doing the same thing. You know, there has change has to happen. You know, it needs to happen. We want it to happen. Got to nail this. Yeah, you got to nail this guy. No pressure, Tepper. It's a lot. I mean, it's. He's been at this now for over a year, and he's gotten his feet right into the mix, and he's been involved in everything. Um, we know him as a smart businessman. He's going to make money. He's going to do those things. But now the test, the real test comes. You, you fired your head coach. you got to go find the new one. Um, a lot of good names floating around. Recent ones, Josh McDaniels from the Patriots. Uh, Rule from Baylor. Baylor. Who, yeah, head coach at Baylor. Getting to know him a little more, I, I kind of like him. I, I mean, I'm starting to hear a lot program, more about him now. Well, and that program was left for dead after yeah. everything that happened yeah. previously. And, mm-hmm. I mean, so many things that were so wrong uh, culturally there. Mm-hmm. And to be able to flip it and grind and, and get it back to a place where it's a good team. Mm-hmm. He does I mean, seem that, no it, nonsense. Yeah, mm-hmm. it. it, it Typically, I wouldn't think go to the college ranks for it, but his age, what he's been able to do, the, what I've learned about him, I, I think he's a big, viable candidate. I don't know if he'll make the list of finalists, so I could be just 
talking out of the side yeah. of my face or whatever. But or it's, if he would even want to come take over the Panthers. Yeah, you're right. Because right. he's turned down the NFL before, you know, and the situation wasn't right. And I think he's fine with staying at Baylor this year if, yeah. if that he seems has. like a better situation. <clears throat> and I just read an article where he had a team meeting and he addressed all the attention with his players um, this week. So, you know, he, he wanted to let them know. You know, I have to take a look at it. They they understand. I have to take a look at some of the the offers and uh, opportunities out there. But I'm still your coach, and you know they're still recruiting, trying to still uh, you know this second signing day in February. So he's yeah. still doing that. But but you know you I, know the Giants I, and a lot of these guys they're, they're going after him, and I think he's a really good balance of discipline and um, those types of coaches that can really connect with the players. Well, in I, way I that's liked needed. how he had like a team meeting with these guys yeah. and told them. I'd be an idiot for not looking at that's the right. NFL and kind of being real with yeah. those guys. And that, I think that's exactly Instead that's of right. denying it. Like these kids, as much as we're on them for social media or different things and how they're going, yeah. right. They're more savvy and smarter and they can smell BS in that's a right. second. They will. Um, a lot more than I think you and I did. And that's mm-hmm. what I can say about this generation is there's so much more street smart in regards to judging personalities and, um, if they want to buy in, and that, that's that tough thing to cross is as a coach is getting guys to buy in. As you're being a disciplinarian or as you're coaching the style that you have, are these guys slowly coming over to your side where it's bought in? Yeah. And you know where people where it's bought in. Patriots, they are sold mm-hmm. out. Yeah. You know, Sean Payton, those guys are all bought in. Yeah. And, you know, that's the kind of thing you want to emulate here. And so um, – you know, for me, as we talk, go ahead. Speaking of Sean Payton, I thought you would like, did you know they had a fog machine and disco lights in oh, the locker nice. room, in the visitor's locker room? I wonder after. where they got that from. Hmm. Club lit. Well, yeah, yeah. UNC <laughs> Charlotte making trends all over That's the right. nation. Look at that. All the way up to the program. I'm yeah. very upset had, that you brought that up. I'm sorry. I would have gone in there and I probably would have been jailed later, but I would have <laughs> kicked over the fog machine, turned out the lights. Yeah. None celebrating in our visiting team locker yeah. room. Oh, man. I'm glad I didn't pass that on my way out of that building. Dang. I wouldn't. I heard about like it that. today, this morning. From Dang. Stadium They do a good job. You have to give them credit. You know, I have to swallow and bite my tongue to say that, but they, they want to, I'm, I'll be interested to see how far they can make it. The NFC is going to be a heck of a, yeah. a race here. I couldn't be more playoffs. thrilled last yeah. night, though, to see the Packers win yes. and San Fran. Yes, yes. Those cats are playing week one of the playoffs. No bye week. No bye week for you. Old man Breeze, that's one more game you're going to have to play, get beat up. Maybe you'll wear down a little bit. <laughs> he, wore down. he wore down a little last year, and I he think did. the, the arm, midseason injury yep. helped him. A little him dead to arm keep, at the end. Helped him to be more rested. I don't know. Is it, it might be wishful thinking. But back to the coaching. Yeah. Some of these names definitely are offensive-minded guys because mm-hmm. you're talking uh, Eric Bieniemy, Josh McDaniels, Greg Roman, Mike McCarthy. Those guys really are um, offensive-minded guys. Do they want to take a job where they don't know what the quarterback situation mm-hmm. is? That's the, you're going to yeah. be judged on what you do offensively exactly. with this team. The, the offense, as much problems the defense had, it feels like it's a much harder problem right now to fix this offense than the defense. It feels like three-four screen. Three four or four three, all that played yeah. a lot into some of the problems for the Panthers. The right personnel, injuries, some of those things on defense. You still think those pieces are there that they can get back. Right. Offensively, I mean, it was three and outs constantly against the Saints. And you know, I'll be the first to say the defense actually held up better than I thought mm-hmm. for a longer period of time. <laughs> they did with stop the them offense a few doing zero. Zero. I mean, the time of possession was all in favor of the Saints, but as you're, you know. These offensive-minded coaches, would you want to take this job? It's tough. I think it has to be an offensive-minded coach because of the the way the league is trending. You have to score points. Uh, you want those guys in there to move the ball up and down the field. The rules uh, that are in place now in the NFL favor the offensive Definitely. side of the ball. So uh, a name that's not on the list and we haven't heard is uh, Kevin Stefanski. He's the offense coordinator mm-hmm. up there in Minnesota. A lot of these young guys have those brilliant kind of Doug Peterson – uh, minds where they can come in. They've uh, been taught by some of the best in the league, and they might be able to turn it around. But we, we're going to keep going back to this all off season. Yeah. The great unknown. I think that makes this job more volatile than a lot of the jobs out there. Yes, you have Christian McCaffrey and Luke Kuechly. If we're going to call those two guys uh, the foundational players for this team, mm-hmm. 
But without a quarterback, we've seen that. Two years, 2018, 2019. You're going nowhere in the NFL without great quarterback play. And if Cam Newton can't return the health, he can't be you know, 85% of the player that he was in 2015, you're going to be floundering around. And then they have to make a decision, which is tough. Do you draft a guy? Do you, do you get a guy in college? Do you draft him and kind of let Cam play this one year out and see if he's healthy, but you have the future on the roster? I don't think it's Will Greer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm positive it's not Kyle Allen. Both of those guys just, I mean, prove not to be what this team needs to succeed and win. So it's just a tough decision, and it's going to be really tough for a head coach coming in. I guarantee you, if I'm a head coach, and I wish that I was, but if you're a, if you're a head coach, man, let me choose. You know, let me tie myself to my quarterback the same way Cam Newton and Ron Rivera, Rivera did. Yeah, you're, that's who you're going down by. Your success is tied to that quarterback, and if you have a poor relationship, you you guys aren't winning. Or you have a banged up one. And that's that's the beauty of picking seventh this year is that that can entice that offensive coach that if Cam's not the future, you've got the seventh pick in the draft. That's a lot closer to picks four, five, and six, let's say, that if if Tua for some reason is hanging around there, Mm -hmm. that you got the capital now to move up and make a big move that you lock in your quarterback for the next ten years. Just like you locked in Cam for nine years, um, you've got to have it. Yeah. The quarterback has to be there. Uh, you don't have that. You have nothing. And also think about they don't really know what's going on with the GM position. Are they getting a bringing in a president of football operations or vice president or assistant GM? That's kind of, I mean, I, if I'm going to go to a place and I'm a head coach, I want to know who my quarterback is and who my GM is. Absolutely. Well, I think right now that's just that's off the table right They're, they can bring somebody in all they want but the foundation the work that's been laid all off season the scouting throughout the the college football season the pro personnel guys that's under marty herney he's mm-hmm. going to see it through at least the draft yeah and if they make a move it's going to be closer to training camp uh once this uh draft and free agency is done it's just too much work. It's too much preparation that's gone into it for them to take it away. And that's why it hasn't been done for Marty Herney at this point. We see some other teams do it, getting rid of, uh, you know, their general manager at this point or president. Um, the Redskins. But, they're yeah, they're yeah. just toast. They, you know, they, they, don't, they don't have a chance. But I think this team, David Tepper, feels like they still have a chance to put together one or two more pieces, solid players in this draft that uh, can help this team be successful. Back to the defense. Say the new coach wanted to come in and bring it back to a 4-3. Are the, are the, is the personnel still there? Uh, I think very much so. Yeah. I think those guys are interchangeable. Bruce Irvin can absolutely play every snap with his hand on the ground. Or you can say when you feel comfortable, just stand up. It still can be four down linemen. It, you know, it, it's it, Brian Burns, he said he played at about 244. He's trying to get up to about 250, 255. I'd like I, to see 260. I, I, yeah, I, I'd like to see him be able to anchor down a little bit if it doesn't take away some of that speed and quickness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a young guy like that, that explosiveness, you don't lose it if you do it in the right way. If you do it uh, really solid, just building some muscle and, and getting after it and, and doing it in the right way. So I think it's it's interchangeable. What they need is a big body to anchor up on the nose, whether that's in a 3-4, in a zero technique, or, you know, a tilt, a, a right. one right over the nose guard. Somebody to eat up that center and, and the guard and allow Luke Keekley to be the guy that we, we saw him be for his yeah. entire career. Right now, he's doing – I mean, oh man, I just watched him. He made a lot of plays, but he has to try to outrun those guards. There's no way for him to be right. On those zone reads, outside zones, th- those guys are going so fast, he has to get on his horse and try to beat that block over the top. Once it cuts back, he's done. Yeah. Well, and I he's like, got to get screened by his own guys. All the, every, yes. Every, <laughs> every snap. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you you said that the 4-3 was very viable still, even with the personnel. Mm-hmm. And I know that puts like a guy like Marquise Haynes and, and Brian Burns and Christian Miller kind of in a flux yes. area there. But we know Christian Miller can play linebacker and drop. And, you know, he did that a lot in college. So you feel good about that. Um, for Burns, you go to a 4-3 front – there's a lot of nickels being played now anyway. Mm-hmm. And so you can put them out there and find ways to, to get him matchups that are very favorable. But at the same time, you know, if you're running that four, three, 
you know, maybe he is the Sam linebacker and comes right up on the ball where that tight end Under is. Under defense, yes. And just and, and is a blitzer. And if they don't have a tight end there, you know, he's a free blitzer and get let him be in positions where he can make some plays and you can work coverages behind that that, mm-hmm. that very much work. I think if if you feel good about Luke Keekley for the next three or four years, and I do, because the last two seasons made it through very healthy, mm-hmm. not even small little things. Right. Like he's been there each and every week. And the way he balled out and hustled, I, that shows me there's a love of football that is still there, mm-hmm. and he wants to be great because he was popping folks. It was one of few. Yeah. I'd say like him and, and Boston yeah. were two guys yeah. that were that they came up. to play on Sunday. Yeah, uh, maybe all the plays weren't brilliant, but they came – to light somebody up and and do something physical on defense, but I think he's just a better four three linebacker. That's all he's done, you know, his whole career. Boston College, Boston yep. College, also. So you want him to be in the best position? Go back to that four three scheme. There's big bodies there. I mean, there's Poe, there's McCoy available. Um, Kwan coming back. You, you sign a guy or draft a guy. Um, there's ways to to quickly right to go back to that four three and be just fine because we know the linebackers in the back end of it. That's not as important. That, those are interchangeable three four four three. Mm-hmm. It's really that front, and you know, so Burns is maybe this flex guy, this interesting guy that you get a creative defensive coordinator that finds a way to use him because the dude can play. Yeah. He's got speed and athleticism. Instinct. Um, got some sacks this year, more than I would have thought he had got. You know, early on started out great, but um, you know, injuries slowed him a little bit there down the middle. But to me, as a guy that's, I'm still really excited about. Yeah, I, I like Brian Burns. He's he's going to learn how to play, a, be a pro, and uh, how to use leverage, how to use those arms. Even when his weight and his strength might still be deficient, he's mm-hmm. still growing into that body and that frame. Um, being able to use his hands and keep offensive linemen out of his body. Yeah, it's going to make play the play without for him. a club on his. Hand. Yeah, don't bang your hand against listen, the ground. Like I was a guard for most of my career, and I played against guys that were 330, 340 pounds. And most of them were guys that was hard to move. Yeah. But there's guys in there that were soft, that were doughy, that you could push around, and you shouldn't think you'd be able to do that. I say that because the flip of it is there's guys that were way too light that I was playing against that are 270, 280, had to play in there because of uh, injuries or whatever. I pushed them around. But then I'm going against Leroy Glover or um, Bryant Young or my man up in Minnesota – who was just a freaking man child. Um, I can't remember his name, but he was It'll come to me in a minute. I I try to forget it. Like, I actually went to a psychiatrist and had it removed from my brain (laughs) because he was a menace to society. Um, But they're all like 270, 280, maybe 290. So they're not these huge dudes. They could bull rush you in a second. And um, so don't always read into weight and and size and all that. It really Mm -hmm. is about the strength, the leverage, um, that cat can bend. Burns can bend. And when you can bend, that's you can make your 240 or 250 feel a lot more like a 280. Um, if you're playing high, it doesn't matter how big and strong you are. Your Look, technique's even bad. Even at, at 275, if I stayed on the block, I was getting moved because the weight difference. And those guys are just bigger. And, and sometimes the technique pad level – is a little lower. The important thing for Burns is, again, using those long arms, using his hands to keep guys off of him with the initial contact and then getting off that block, man. Get off the block. Uh, I think Perry Fuel said it in his press conference. The reason why this team has been so poor versus the run is because everybody's stuck on a block. No one is releasing blocks. They're not able to come off of those, disengage, and make tackles. So Burns needs to – Can you to explain s- that more? When a guy, if Kevin's coming off and I'm at the point of attack, he's trying to block me. Um, I can do one of two things. I can try to sit in there, and that's what you want from a guy as big as Chris Jenkins or Dom Terry Poe. Right. They can just hold him there. Just you, you can't move me. But at 270, I need to hit Kevin, stop him, keep him away from my body, have him kind of reaching for me with his hands, and then try to rip which means pull him away from me, disengage, and stay in my gap. Okay. Now he's hopefully on the ground or I'm flung him away so I can go and make the play. But if the ball's coming at me and Kevin's coming at me, he just stays engaged and I can't come off to make a tackle. If I do it the wrong way with poor technique, it's a pancake. If I try to release that block and what we call walking away from a block instead of ripping off a block, I'm going to be on my back. Okay. Uh, so it's it's about being violent with your hands and shedding 
getting that offensive lineman off of you. And that's what Burns needs to learn. Hit, stop the guy, shed, and don't walk away from it. If it's an outside play and I just try to take this offensive lineman with me, then you're going to – you remember what happened to Vernon Butler last mm-hmm. week? <laughs> that's called walking away from a block or okay. getting walked down the field. It's just going to – you're going to get ropes. You're going to be cockroach. You're going to be on your back. Cockroach. That's, that's what it is. The hands up in the air, flailing <laughs> and, and, and punching the wrong guy. Punching the wrong you, dude. Because you don't know what's going flipping on. Flipping off the crowd. Punching the wrong dude, flipping off the crowd. That's and a, made the security guard kind of famous. I, like I walked in and saw him. Yeah. A couple of days later, I was like, dude, it was good seeing you on TV. Yeah. He was, he was mad at me. He's like, dude. <laughs> That's not how I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I thought of the name. I had to look it up. John Randall. God bless John his soul. Randall. My goodness. This is yeah. the Minnesota guy? Yeah. yeah. I can hear him oh, screaming. The and menace. Blah, 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 blah. Constant yeah. chatter. Face, eye black. Blacked everywhere. out the whole thing. Yep. Yeah. The, the reincarnation Couldn't of the devil. Six feet tall. The devil walking earth yep. right there. That's what he was. Yeah. Let's get away from that. So we're talking personnel, <laughs> some changes. We talk some coaches. These players got to take some ownership too, right? No doubt. And how do they get better? And you know, this off season is is absolutely critical. And this has to a lot of it takes self discipline now because when you and I were playing, you're right back to work in March, and now it's late April before they're formally allowed back in the building to do official workouts with the team. That's three months for some of these guys when we're talking the Greg Little, Dennis Daly, Brian Burns, Christian Miller, these young guys, basically it's January, February, March, that they're left on their own. They better have a plan um, because you can't wake up in April and think you're getting in shape and ready for the season. I I just think about my first offseason, right? I think the the trap there is go back to college campus, go back home, you got some new money, you got a nice shiny car – and you forget about it. You think you can show up in April and get in shape. Well, as I became a veteran and understood what it what it was going to take to be good, that process started pretty early for me. Of course, you're going to get away from it for a few weeks, for right. about a month, and, and um, kind of decompress from the season. This has been a rough one for everybody. Get the body back. Let the joints cool down a little bit. And then you're training. I, I trained the month of February to be ready for March. Yes. Because when I got here, Jerry Simmons was going to run our tongues out of yep. our heads. And you needed to be in shape to get in shape, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. You didn't need to come in at zero. You needed to get up to 75 so that they can build you up to 100 by the time OTAs and uh, mini camps came around. So for me, it was going back home uh, in my place back down in, in South Florida kind of relaxing, being on the beach, taking it easy, forgetting about football, enjoying being a fan during the playoffs if we weren't there, uh, and then getting back on it. Some early morning runs on the beach, uh, going back to my uh, high school and working out with those guys. But in the heat, which is uh, great. In the heat, South yep. Florida, heat and humidity, and it, and it got you ready. So when I got back up here in March, I felt pretty good about, mm-hmm. you know, that I built myself up to a, a – a certain point that I was ready to go. I wasn't going to be embarrassed it, on that first run. Yeah, it really is a year-round. It's a year-round job. It is. It, it is. is. And I remember Rivera talking about how things have changed because training camp guys report now, and they're already in shape. I mean, they have to yeah. get in football shape, but they are in physical shape. Um, so, I mean, if you're not, you're going to stand out. I'll give you a quick little story here. My brother played in the NFL for seven years. He's 10 years older than me. I have a lot of – brothers and sisters do you have a huge family we do five kids so i mean like everybody's tall and big yeah everybody's pretty big yeah because my oldest brother um his name's rick played in the nfl for seven seasons like i said um he's six three and about 225 pounds mm-hmm. um but he was about 270 he played center in, in the nfl um but he's lost that weight but it's always funny to me because he's at work he works at um uh, one of the big like um like investment, like mm. I am, like, you know, these, um, Big exactly. Yeah. He's in the financial yeah. world. Let me just yeah. put it that way. Okay. I'm sorry. But, um, it's funny cause he was telling me stories about everybody in his office at six two, two hundred twenty five 225 pounds. Everyone refers to him as big Rick. Everyone <laughs> knows him as big Rick and he's not that big, yeah. but it's just our family. We're just, we're big Don't guys mess with the Donnelly's. But for him, what was interesting, he got in the NFL, played the football season and then started going to um, graduate school to earn his master's because mm-hmm. the off season, there was nothing really required. And you showed up to training camp to get into shape. Mm-hmm. Then my generation, 
we really didn't have formal workouts the whole entire off season. We'd get back together in May with some mini camps and then start to really prepare as a team. And you still use training camp to really get in shape. And training camp was brutal. Those days are behind us now. But when I first got out of my first season in the NFL and I knew I had a ton of work to do, I went right back to college. The reason I did, the strength coach I had in college was um, like we always, the joke was we don't know who's in hell right now because the devil is right here in front of us. <laughs> oh, man. This guy was, but it oh. was great for me because yeah. I needed it. I had money in my pocket, so I didn't have to work. My whole focus was getting bigger, faster, stronger. Mm -hmm. I came back in May, and guys were looking at me like, what happened transformation because i dedicated myself and that, that's what we need greg little and dennis daly and some of these guys to do it can be done it's a ton of time it's not a short it, it's a long time if you take advantage of it and you can get so much done mm -hmm. um and for me it was a difference maker and helped me last 13 years in the league uh, the, these guys can do this it's just the thing that you pointed out the biggest thing was you know some of these young guys it's been a tough um they've been beat down they've been yelled at a lot of things haven't gone right, and they want to kind of go to where it's safe. Yeah. And they'll go back to college or go back home and run with their buddies or whatever and get distracted, and they don't get the things done they need to get done, and it's so important. Um, we saw what happened with Kelvin Benjamin. when he Remember, he yes. went home and – Come know, back a little heavy that yeah. first, he did, that you're first right. year. Got injured and yeah. – um, you know, you're, you're exactly right. It's And I think these guys are smart. They're better with nutrition. College programs are, are – getting these players more knowledgeable about how to take care of their bodies and to work out and to do all the right things. But um, if you don't have somebody that's barking at you and telling you to do it every day, it's hard to find a 22-year-old that you know will get up early every single day and commit to working out and make it the priority each and every day with so much pulling at them right now and so many opportunities and so much money. Uh, you know, when we were playing, you're like, I'll never earn this money again. Yeah. And you're trying to hang on as long as you can. These guys are earning so much. Yeah. That after a while, how much is enough? And we always want more. We're, we're selfish at heart. It's not a bad thing. It's just how we're created. Um, sometimes you never really have enough. But there does come upon a time, we used to call it FU money, where you got That's enough absolutely. in the bank. Yeah. And now these guys are earning so much more. That FU money is coming a lot sooner absolutely. than it did for you and I. Yeah. And where what did you, you just do with say, that money? But it was like... I've, I've saved enough money now that I don't I'm care good. what these coaches like. I'm going to do stuff my way, and it's going to be my program. And oh, if they okay, don't like okay. it and they cut me, I'll try another team. And if not, then I'll be done. Um, it, it happens. I mean, we heard it it from Antonio Brown a little bit when he got in. Oh, yeah. He said, yes. hey, I got He's $30 like, million in the bank. <laughs> I don't need the NFL. The NFL needs me. Yeah, it's like yeah. I'm in a mansion. I got, you know. Yeah. Houses in five states, like, I don't need that that money. I want it, but I don't need it. So that's the type of money Kevin's okay. talking about. I thought it was extra money. cash you just, money in the and bank. you do whatever you want with it. That, too. No. I mean, you can <laughs> go too. I mean, you might, you know, go to South Beach for a weekend. Yeah, why not? Blow 50. Get on a yacht. Grand. Yeah. And Luke, that's what gives me a huge appreciation for Luke Keekley and mm -hmm. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. These guys the are plan. Go hang out he, with them all off season. And Caff, McCaffrey's not got that second contract yet, yeah. but he was the eighth pick in the draft, and that's some guaranteed money that you're set for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. You you play your cards right and do the right things, mm -hmm. you're set. And for them to act like they have nothing when they play, when I see them, they're hungry, they want to hit folks, they're not making business decisions. Right. I never saw McCaffrey slide or make a business decision. Mm -hmm. I mean, he – meaning – yeah. You know, do I go for this extra hit? Do I try and get the extra yard? He just found ways to get skinny, avoid, mm -hmm. do this and that, and, and got up and played another play and did it the best he could the very next play. You, you have to love it. It's a tough way to make a living, and you get paid handsomely, but it's tough. So when you love it the way they do, it, it feels like you wake up and you think about it. It's nothing to get up and go to the gym and put in the work and prepare <laughs> And, and Christian was asked about that, you know, at, at his press conference. And you can see the smile. He was raised in a football family. He loves it. He talked he about it. those brothers and just roughhousing in the backyard. Yeah. Like, it's in his DNA, and he loves every second of it. And guys like that are going to be successful. And we're talking about the offseason, and those are the types of guys you want on your team. It's 53 guys, so mm -hmm. everybody's not going to do that. Um, again, I Could you imagine, I, I play just imagine with this team. Yeah. Imagine this team with that mindset and whatever next offensive lineman we get or defensive lineman yeah. 
and just the ass kicker they would be in a game when, when this they team approach needs it. More ass kickers. <laughs> a lot more. They, we've they we've just, have a so lot of fighting. We've fighting brought, ass we've, kickers. We've yeah. brought the ass to be kicked yeah. this season. Yeah, yeah. we oh. got to flip it. Yeah, we yeah. need to bring the boot. All right, <laughs> and we apply. Need all right. it's, it's a mentality. They just need to shift shift gears and get some guys in there that that love the game, that love the game very very much. And uh, I, I I know we played like that. I know so many guys played like that. I I wanted it. I I did not want to fail. So the off season was my time to close that gap a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't you compete with other guys? Like you knew the other D line. You're they're gonna be on your team. Who oh, you're yeah. fighting for jobs for. Like we do a little test when we come back with That's Jerry. Right. You know, we had Jerry. Yeah. So we both know Jerry Simmons, and we do like the pull-up test, the squat, the bench, all that stuff. So you know yeah. that's coming. You know it's coming. Yeah. But I wanted to beat Jeff it, Mitchell oh, yeah. and Jordan yeah, Gross. Totally. Like we ran forties. I ran the, the best. Test. I ran yeah. the best forty time of my life right. because Jordan Co- Gross was the young pup that came in there, and he's all world and all. You know, he's going to be the next coming of you know Jonathan Ogden or whatever it is, and he was. He was like, but he was great. <laughs> but. 13th year I go out there I'm like I'm not letting this cat beat me on this 40 yard dash I don't know how he cares about it but I'm going to win this thing and Dega, I want it I beat yeah. him that to eat. high five I five. have that to my that I can always hang over his head that I, hey my last year in the league your first I went out and ran faster <laughs> I was physically faster than you at 35 years old brother yeah <laughs> I was competing with Julius Peppers and Mike Rucker so, you know, we did a conditioning test once we reported to training camp down mm-hmm. in Spartanburg because there's a six-week gap from OTAs <laughs> until you report. So a lot can go wrong in six weeks. So they wanted to kind of test. So it was either By the 16, way, one, the scariest 10, time for oh. coaches. Yeah. Cutting those guys that, free that for six weeks. You don't that time wanna, off. You don't, go, you, but go ahead, Alan. You don't want the names to pop I, up on the ticket. I didn't want to interrupt yeah. you, but I had so to. So you, you – I play for a lot of teams. So you do the 16, 110s uh, – 1610 yard gassers or just the half gasser test which is across the field I didn't down like that. and back I like the, five I like times the and it was brutal I like the hundreds I yeah. didn't like the gassers I can stride it out they burn man they burn to death your lower body was cuz you had to cut you had to stop and restart your body end, yeah, dude I'm was, 300 and I had to stop it's like an 18 wheeler you yeah. don't stop on a dime yeah Randy Travis said it best right in the song <laughs> you don't even know yeah. about that yeah, out of my wheelhouse there. <laughs> so I remember coming in one year and Simmons, uh, Jerry Simmons looks at Peppers and he's, you're not running with it. So we all had slotted times. We had to make, say, 50 seconds if you were a D tackle or yeah. offensive uh, lineman. And he looks at Peppers Which, and he, We should never be with yeah. the D lineman, bro. No, we're, we're Why, much, I should much better not athletes. Run with, yes, you are. Clearly. <laughs> you are. I admit it. Yeah. Like, my time's the same as Julius Peppers. That dude glides. So like, that happened. That that happened. So Jerry Simmons, like, you got to run with the linebackers. They're like four seconds faster. <laughs> so you know, now I'm I'm standing there. I heard it, but he doesn't say it to me. So I feel some kind of way. Mike Rucker standing there. He's what's going on? So now we're like, well, we're running with the linebackers too. We're not going to be left out. It's right, competitive. Right. Right. So now you well, know we can run with the linebackers Peps, too. Peps just gliding his out. He gets the five. He grabs some Gatorade. What was Dan Morgan doing? Was he just freaking? Yeah, Dan. Dan was <laughs> you, you machine. Know, machine man. <laughs> you talk about intensity and Witherspoon too. That cat could run. I I hate that after the Super Bowl they had to make a decision between Spoon and and Dan and they chose Dan of course the concussions and shoulders popping out gave way and Spoon went on uh, to have a great career but that competitive like it has to be competitive it can't it can't just be your homeboys that you play next to or you rotate with it has to be competitive and that's the way we did it that's the way we pushed each other And, and for me Nowhere near the accolades of, you know, national championship, Nebraska Cornhusker, Mike Rucker, and mm-hmm. second overall pick Julius Peppers. Here's undrafted former wide receiver coming out of high school, <laughs> Al Wallace. So I I had to compete. Yeah. I did not I did not want to run on the field at any point during a football game, have the other ten guys like, oh gosh, like we need to hold it together because here comes 96. I, I mean, want him to be like, okay, he's going to produce. Yeah. And, uh, at, the, at the end of the day, you you need that desire to yeah. compete every single day to, to be a really good player in the NFL and to yeah. sustain it. I mean, yeah. you went 10 years as an undrafted guy, and that's because those little challenges along the way, you stepped up mm-hmm. to prove yourself every single week. And, you know, it's 
that's what this team that's we all circles internal circles back to the culture of what they Mm -hmm. this locker room needs to eventually look like it really does one one guy that might not be in the locker room that's a big part of that culture is greg olson Uh, we saw in his last game there were a lot of goodbye moments he was on the jumbotron everybody got a little teared up about that it seemed like he was saying goodbye and this is his last time in a panthers uniform he said he hasn't decided if he's retiring or not um but it doesn't sound like he's coming back. Yeah, it's – you know, I watch Greg, and he's on the Jumbotron, and I I saw him breathe in the air. I saw his eyes dart around the stadium and, and kind of take it all in one yeah. last time if, if that's going to be it. And to share that moment, um, standing close with, with Keekly and, um, Christian. you know, Christian McCaffrey, his son Christian McCaffrey. Nah. And, uh, you, you can see <laughs> you can <laughs> that. Been great. Yeah, that, yeah, that's been great. <laughs> You can see how much it meant. Nine-year run here. Uh, got him from the Chicago Bears. We had a great year. Obviously, from the U, was a great tight end down at the University of Miami. And uh, battled, battled like Thomas Davis. Another yeah. guy I said was a part of the culture and that toughness that the Carolina Panthers have been known for on both sides of the ball. A tight end that put up, what, two or three hundred yards, a thousand yards, three in a row. Three in a row. Uh, so this guy is one of the all-time greats, not just for the Panthers. He cemented his legacy here with the Panthers, but of all time. I of saw the time. stat where they flashed uh, Shannon Sharp and Gonzalez. The names he was up there with were unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so for him to drink it all in, and I watched him breathe that Bank of America air, it meant a lot. And we've yeah. all been there. And I know he wants to play, but he's a smart guy. He understands his body. He understands where he is in his career and what he can bring for the team. And I honestly think that in those situations, it's tough for the coaches, new coaches coming in, because they have to move a guy like Greg Olson on in order for a guy like Ian Thomas to thrive. And okay. I think he's ready. And for me, and I, I would love to it. see Greg here for the community. But Ian Thomas, it's his time. He's ready to do it. He's ready to take the ball and run with it. He's learned from Greg. I think we're fortunate that Greg has, has kind of declared this that he's built his forever home here. Yeah. This is home to him. It mm-hmm. will always be home. The good work that he's done with Levine and yeah. um, numerous other community things that he's done. I've just – those are guys that just leave me with so much Panther pride, yeah. you know, as someone that, that was part of the organization for a while. And so you feel like you're part of that family and knowing that there's this family member, you're like, you're just excited that there's just going out there and just doing great things um, on the field and off. Mm-hmm. And what you brought up um, the U and every, you know, the, the first year it was here was with um, Shockley was here. Also. Yeah. Jeremy Shockey, Shockey yeah, was Jeremy here. Shockey. That was some of the most fun. So much fun watching that. And Chud and Cam Newton, you know, beginning his career and and targeting those guys and having these two tight ends that were just butt kickers out there. Just it was some of the most fun I watched. Their record wasn't the best that season, but it was it was really fun to watch those guys and um, certainly was uh, you know, I think the impact he's made over his career is is you know, we won't even know until he's gone. You know, it's almost like with Thomas Davis. Mm-hmm. You don't realize what you've lost. Uh, you think you can move yeah. on. You think guys will step up. They'll fill different voids. But it's not an instant transition. It usually takes a year or two for, for it really to get covered. And it's that's a concern for next year because yeah. offensively, he's the rock. You know, it seemed like with these young quarterbacks that had to play – Everyone was always in the right formation. Everyone was where they needed to be. The execution yeah. of the play was well. The huddle was broken. What like the things they could control? It, Greg Olson, I don't think, got enough credit for just a quick word to this player, yeah. a quick word to that one. On Here, field. I'm on the ball. On the ball, mm-hmm. you're off this time. Like those little things that kept things running smoothly when you had two quarterbacks that are barely keeping their head above water this yeah. year. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, we want to appreciate that fact because it's. It uh, wasn't a great season this year, but it's something that certainly needs to be pointed out. Yeah, we, we got to be down on the sideline and, and close to Greg right there and, and hear kind of some of his interaction with the referees. And Isn't that he great? Is, he's hilarious. I mean, he gets after the referees. He's an intense guy. And, you know, we talk about that leadership and the guys that are left. That's a, another voice that's leaving that, yeah. that locker room. And who's the next guy up? I mean, Christian McCaffrey is, is not the most vocal guy. He's going to do it. Um, by the work, by example, not necessarily how Kinda Greg like goes out there. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, he was such a big part of the success when he was good and Cam was healthy. I don't know that it was a better tandem. Maybe Brady 
uh, and Gronk, Gronk. Right. A tight end and but other receiver. Than that. Other than that, man, he was absolutely electric to see him. Even when he started slowing down and catch the ball and, and just rambling down the field, yeah. I couldn't help but chuckle because you knew that speed was gone. But he was trying to get down and yeah. get out of the way. No, and for me, like, I know he's going to go into broadcasting and be a huge success. Right. It just He's talented. He really mm-hmm. is. But, like, it's still part of me that thinks he could be one of – I mean, could be a really good NFL coach. Yes. Because well, he's got fam- this his dad's coach. Exactly. He's coach forever, coach, yeah. state championships and, and raising his boys mm-hmm. and coaching them. You knew he know he, he absorbed all that growing oh, up. Oh yeah, you've seen you've and seen the little there's league. There's no videos. voice that rings out more than Olsen. You know, I can be on the practice at training camp on a field two fields away and he yells something a play related or gets made fun of Thomas Davis or something. It's just the voice carries yeah. everywhere and like you kind of tense up yeah. a little bit because you're like it feels like a coach yelling out there and i'm like this he's a great communicator he's brilliant with the game of football and uh it just wouldn't surprise me after we'll a few if years that if those, yep. yeah that that the broadcast is not, not fulfilling enough. what he needs to to survive every day he needs that competition i could see him easily transitioning right into coaching so yeah. many good players have done it and Vrabel, mike Vrabel under that yeah bill belichick you know i mean a great football player linebacker Caught a touchdown pass on me in the, in the Super Bowl. Oh, and not feeling that. I one. hated Vrabel. Yeah, I, that 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 team, man. Any, let, let's not talk about. You, the I want you guys. Uh, well, I'm glad before I, next I, season, I want you to make a list of all the players you hate hated to play. Against. Did they wear Panthers uniforms? And then oh. I'll also make a list <laughs> of uh, the ten guys that were the greatest teammates or guys I love to oh, watch yeah. play on another team that I would have liked to play with because I. I feel like I call out a lot of guys that I hate on this podcast over the year. The list is adding Kevin up. Kevin has no friends. You only have <laughs> me and Al in here. I, yeah. But I think if you're a true Panthers fan, the names I've spoken out over the course of this season, you're right on board with me. Yeah. I, I second those. You said Panthers uniforms. You meant – Yeah, anybody who didn't oh, wear Oh, didn't that? wear one. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, Coach I love Fox it. said I love it. it. It's hey, were there any players hatred. you didn't like on the, uh, on the Panthers team? Not, not on the Panthers I didn't like, team. I didn't like Buckner. Yeah, but, but I, cool. I'd but, be cool with him now, but Buckner as a would teammate, just give you too much. He's abrasive. He's a, yeah, in practice. Loud mouth. He, and I'll give Called him credit. I'll give him credit for always making me bring my A game in practice. There you go. You know, yeah. and he um, he'd get me fired up in practice and and pissed off, and that helped the O line get pissed off, and we're we got better because of it. Yeah. But man, he just he could needle you. He could make a comment. Um, he just always talking. He never knew oh, how to shut up. He never shut up. <laughs> that, that you could say he didn't feel comfortable with us saying that. He just he never sh- go he to probably so- like it. He go to like social it. media right now. He never shuts up. And Clemson wins. I mean, he oh. just does. so a quick story. I know we're nearing the end here, but. I get traded a week before training camp from the Miami Dolphins to the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. I jump in my car. I drive all the way to Spartanburg. Don't know where the hell Spartanburg, South Carolina is. Look for the so peach. So I pull up. I'm Look 10 for the minutes, hottest place in America. Right, <laughs> <laughs> Ten minutes before the first team meeting on the day we have to report. I don't know anybody. Never met anybody on the team. Only person I know is Chris Jenkins, the Maryland connection. I helped recruit him there. So we go in the meeting, and it's so territorial in those meetings. Offensive linemen oh, sit yeah. here. Yeah. So I just choose a seat. Dumb luck, I sit down. Here seat. comes Buck, and he's just like, who is this guy? Like, you need to get up. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little frustrated. <laughs> I just get traded from my hometown team. Right. Coming up here, not knowing where I'm supposed to be. Do you stand your ground? He's what like, do you do? He's like, you need to – I know you guys get a little bit fooled by the nice guy sitting here okay, okay. all the time. Would you so he's, he's just like, you need to get up. Like, man, I'm not moving. Like, I'm tired. I just drove 15 hours from Florida. So, you know, everybody's piling in. You, you need to get up. This is my seat. I was like, if it's your seat, you know, you, you need to move it. You need to, you can, you're more than welcome take to take it. So that's that's how I met Buck. He's my absolute what, what, best friend. What happened? What happened? Though? Yeah. Did you? Mike Turkovic broke us up. We were nose to nose. Day one. <laughs> over a chair. Minute one. Over a seat. I love it. Um, and from that point, I think it was like instant respect, not just from Buckner, but for the rest of the those D linemen. That you know, it's, we don't know this guy, but he's going to be a pushover. <laughs> That's so a, it's like you went to prison it or was something. You got to stand your ground. So we go from that you to go being pick a fight with the biggest dude. Friend. That's right. Like prison, right? Yes. That's what they say to do in prison. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, went, I wasn't into uh, that barking, and I think uh, 
you know, that that established some rules there. Like I wasn't going to be easily moved off my spot. But Buck does is, that ever come Buck up with you guys? We laugh about it now. Our kids and families are close. <laughs> yeah. like it's weird. But it, it you know, I tell you that Buckner was the, one of the greatest storytellers. Oh. Though everyone would gather around when he'd get in that mood where he's just telling stories or then making fun of some different guys. As long as you weren't the one getting made fun of, yeah. like, because he would just dial in on somebody and start going to town. <laughs> yeah. On the plane or the bus rides to the airport, if your suits or your something wasn't right, I mean, Buck was going to be the one to point it out. He was not bashful at all. He was going to call out an ugly suit or terrible pair of shoes, you know. So he's that dude. He has fun. I know he watched him, uh, you know, on Hard Knocks a couple times. He's been down there with the Raiders and and even with the Bucks, um, Coach McCoy. You know, he he loves the camera now. He loves the attention. So Well, I remember his commercials. I yeah. mean, it doesn't surprise he me. He was on my show back in the day yeah. a lot. He's that a, was our yeah. guy. No, he liked it. And he was, he's, he's very knowledgeable. I mean, he's a smart guy. So he's, he, he can do about anything he wants to do. Yeah. Uh, he knows the game. He One does. thing he does, he, he understands the game on a deep level. So. Well, you guys understand the game on a deep level. And I've learned a lot this season. Fantastic. Um, hopefully, you listening at home learned a lot, too. Yeah. We're going to wrap it up for this season, right? We will be back um, sporadically in the off season, so make yeah. sure you subscribe so you automatically get that. Yeah, they need to subscribe, subscribe so that they'll right. be alerted as like soon us. as that yeah, new one You'll get a notification, yeah. absolutely. I subscribe. Do yeah. you subscribe? I'm on it. I get mine, <laughs> and, and sometimes I get notified, and uh, Josh Klein's already sent some tweet out with our newest That's podcast right. on. I get mad, but yeah. – uh, Anyway, continue on. Yeah. They need to subscribe. subscribe. They need to listen because we're going to be back. It won't be right away here, but we're going to give a lot of Hopefully off-season Hopefully with news. lots of good news because there is lots of decisions to be made. It will not be a boring offseason. No, no, new head coach, uh, Cam Newton, will be watching that. Uh, so many things are happening. Free agency. Stay tuned. Uh, this is, you know, wraps for us for this season. We had a ball. I enjoyed yeah. being here with you all. We can't forget about Stormy. Hey, Stormy, you're out there <laughs> doing she your thing out she there did. with the Vegas Knights, the Golden Knights out there. So we had just such a great team with, with Josh and everybody uh, taking care of us and in Kevin. here. It's been fun. Yes. Yep. It's been great. Guys working with you guys. So. I'll let Kelly close us out. Oh, don't do let me close it out. No, you do a great job. Oh, Kevin. They edit me every time, I'm sure. You want me to do it? Yeah, well, that's going to do it for uh, 2000. Yeah, go for it. Oh, that will do it for 2019. 2020 is upon us. We are going to have a fantastic 2020 starting with these off-season podcasts. So rate, subscribe, dial in wherever you get your podcast to make sure you are up to date on everything going down on the Carolina I like it. Thank you, Kelly Bardick. You came in and ran this thing beautifully. Al Wallace, always a pleasure to work with you. Until you hear from us again this offseason, that's it for this time. Carolina Live. Peace.